This week's episode of The Bat Signal is sponsored by one of our most loyal advertisers in the past year, the Uptown Cheapskate Used Clothing Store. You can sell the great styles you no longer wear or use the trade-in value for savings off store purchases. There are lots of great deals at Uptown Cheapskate at 2410 Texas Avenue, South and College Station, so go check them out. Howdy, my name is Valen Cepak. I'm a videographer with the Battalion. And today's episode is something that's near and dear to my heart um, as we talk to Dr. Covey, who's the director of Texas A&M's CAPS project, which is counseling and psychological services. The CAPS project on A&M's campus has been a growing project over the years, and to sit down with the director and go over this interview was a great thing. This interview goes into mental health um, and what that looks like for the break and how self-help can be so paramount um, to get through hard times or times where we're away from our community. So enjoy. Well, it's so good to finally meet you. Yeah, I'm excited to be too. up here in the CAPS building. Yeah. So just, just so people know, tell me who you are, a little bit about you and sure. how you got to this spot. Sure, so I, my name is Dr. Marianne Covey and I am the Director of Counseling and Psychological Services. I've actually been here since 92 um, and I came here for my PhD in 88. Okay. Um, so I've had about every job at the Counseling Center that you could have. <laughs> so back in 92 and early 2000s, uh-huh. what did the Counseling Center look like compared to what it is now? Yeah, so much smaller. Um, we also did a lot of the academic counseling that now is the Academic Success Center. Um, we did uh, always have done career exploration, um, but back right when I was a grad student, um, the career center kind of uh, kind of went more towards interviewing and resume writing and jobs, um, and then we stayed with career exploration. So it's come a long way. Yes, yes, it is, it is, you know, much more focused, I think, on mental health initiatives, not just one-on-one counseling. So now we have suicide awareness and prevention. We have a huge outreach program where we're doing a lot of um, talking to students about mental health. Sure, and I think the mental health aspect is such a huge part of, I think, the college life experience. And obviously your years here proved to be the same because it's important. It's something that needs to be talked about. So the toxic trait that I have come to learn about after going through my own personal fall down, what is a good method that you believe that when someone gets into that dark spot and they're thinking I'm alone in this, when in reality there's so many other people going through it, even myself, someone who is surrounded by great people, fell into a dark spot and thought I'm the you know master of my own fate, I'm the only one who can see and feel this pain, I need to take care of it how I think is appropriate. What is a good first step to even notice that you're going in that direction? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And I think what happens is, one, what you described is you isolated yourself. One of the things that I'll see a lot of is people will think mental health or the dark place is outside of them, that they don't have a role in. Mm -hmm. So the idea of When I ask questions, how do you engage in your self-care, you're going to answer that with, I don't know, Mm. or I feel bad. But you're not going to contribute that you have a role in it. Um, And that's 
that's the hurdle that you have to get over is to say, okay, wait a minute. I do play a part in this. I can make things better for myself. But I have to believe that I play a role in it versus mental health being something that happens to me versus something that is a part of me that I have a, a role in. Now, when you say self-care, yeah. are you talking about the same kind of uh, social media savvy where guys are taking self-care just meaning better care of their skin and better care yeah. of their clothing interests? <laughs> or are you talking on a different level of self-care being I'm going through a personal evaluation and checking off boxes weekly or daily that I'm doing okay? Right. So um, probably the combination of both, right? So you want some sort of kind of fun self-care, certainly with COVID and all the rest. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's fine. But I'm talking about investing in your own mental health. Mm. So if I'm in a dark place and somebody says, just start every day doing a little gratitude journal. Just start. You know, I'm not saying it's going to be the be all end all, but it gets you to think, okay, if I start doing a gratitude journal, that might challenge my perspective. And then if my perspective gets challenged, then maybe I'm not going to be going down that dark path. So self-care is really, when I'm talking about it as a psychologist, I'm talking about kind of my mental health, okay? COVID hits and people are just laying around doing Zoom classes from their bed. And they'll, they'll call, I'm not motivated. I'm like, are you not motivated or are you not self-disciplined? And it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm debating whether or not they're motivated, but when you call it motivation, it's external. I'm not motivated. Oh, well, I throw my hands up. Versus if I say it's self-discipline, okay, what can I work on? So in the terms of self-care, how important is routine? So when, when we're talking about self-care, we're really focused often at the beginning of things like, you know, what is your sleep pattern? Because if you're not sleeping well, then that's going to roll into kind of more mental health issues, right? You're going to be more stressed, anxious, you know, depressed. How's my eating? If my eating is I'm now stress eating or now I'm not eating and I'm restricting, I'm not eating anything healthy, I feel bad. And then when I feel bad, here goes your cycle again. Then I don't want the third exercise and doing something with exercise. So those are your three big ones. Anytime we're talking about depression or anxiety, I have talked more about the need for structure since COVID happened than you can imagine. But you have to have some sort of routine. And part of that routine has to be self-care. I love Netflix as much as the next person, but if all I'm doing on Netflix is trying to escape, then that's not necessarily helping me. I always say, is my phone helping or hurting me? There's a place for it. It's a great form of entertainment and it can be an escape. But if that's all you're using it, then you're avoiding something else. Now, I think you brought up something that's very important and something I personally found to be true. The physical illness side leading to the mental um, spiral, which you, you know, notion to is where I, you know, found myself falling quite hard. And I think as I hear from more and more, there's always something that kind of starts it. Um, and then there's a, a spiral. I don't necessarily know if that's the most accurate term to use, but some sort of falling down motion after that. Yeah. Is that pretty common where something 
in the family or with health or wellness takes place and then causes a spiral. Right. Think of think of what happened for you that got you in the mindset of seeing things negatively. When you're calling a spiral, I'm going to say now that's the lens that you're seeing the mm. world, and now you're seeing everything negative. Um, now, whether it be external, everything in the world, or internal, you know, now I'm totally critical. Everything I'm doing, I'm not doing it good enough. And so there's another spiral. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not fun enough. I'm not, you know, and there, there I go, you know. Um, and so then what happens, right? We start finding ways almost to support the spiral. So I watch really crappy movies that make me feel awful. I listen to music that is really sad and depressing. Um, and so I'm, I'm creating this world that my spiral just keeps getting bigger. I think what you said resonates with a lot of people just then that I know multiple people have things called sad playlist. Yes. Or playlists that are for rainy days. Right. I guess from what your discretion is that you would advise against that, that that could be almost harmful. Well, it depends where you're at, right? We yeah. all love a sad movie. We love, I, I love my sad music. Um, so I wouldn't say that, but I'm not going to play my sad music when I feel bad. Mm. So being that we're on a campus of 65, almost 70,000 students mm -hmm. in the midst of something that is unprecedented, mm -hmm. unheard of, unusual, and no one really knows, am I doing this correctly? In the last few months, what have you seen to be really helpful when people might be kind of tearing down themselves, thinking they're not doing as good as they should be? Yeah, I think that idea of having self-compassion, you know, the quote that we use all the time is, what you're feeling is normal for an abnormal situation. We are in an abnormal situation. So you cannot define normalcy based on how you were a year ago, because that's not fair to you. It's, it's not the same world as it was a year ago. And being able to go, okay, you know, give myself a break. My grades aren't going to be their highest. I'm not going to be as productive. Um, and that's just part of being in this environment. Well, Zoom fatigue is real. Um, I got to get up. I got to move. I got to do something. And so this is so many people right now. I mean, think of all your classes being online. I'm just sitting there watching Zoom. The, apparently, the two highest times that suicides spike were after Marilyn Monroe and after Robin Williams. After those two celebrities committed suicide, is there something about the mental health section that is almost kind of like yawning where you see it and it causes you to reevaluate or rethink what's going on in your own mind? Yeah, I think suicide is complicated in a lot of ways, right? Because you do have your high-profile celebrity suicides that get a lot of publicity. And then the fear comes in, oh, God, now we're going to have copycat or we're going to create kind of saying suicide is going to give people ideas. That is a myth over and over again. By talking about suicide, you are not giving anybody ideas. If somebody's suicidal, they've already been thinking of suicide. Now, the copycat or the giving permission, um, you certainly will see. Mm. Um, and that's why there's a big, like, um, you know, you've seen some high schools that um, there's one person and then there's somebody else and there's somebody else. So that's the responsibility of the media mm. of how much do I public, you know, publicize it. 
that becomes the challenge. And I think always the balance of we, we don't want to not inform people, but we also don't want to kind of make it like the celebrity or idolize it or grandio you know, make it grandiose. Like 13 Reasons Why. Uh, that was horrible. That, mm. that whole series was just horrible because they glorified. They glorified the girl who kills herself. If you ask the majority of the people who are thinking of suicide, they're not necessarily wanting to die. They're wanting to escape feeling bad. And there's a big distinction between those two. And so if you have now the media showing, oh, if you die, everyone's going to you know, glorify you, um, that now makes that more feasible. Um, so that's, that's where I struggle with the media mm -hmm. in some of the coverage of suicide. I mean, for us in meeting with students who will say they've thought of hurting themselves or they've been suicidal, that conversation is a fantastic conversation because you kind of get under it now, right? You, you go, okay, well, what is it about um, your life? What is it about what's going on with you that is causing you to not even want to be here? And I'm a college student, I tell my parents, their reaction is fear. They're very fear-based. And so they're not able to talk about it. You know, they just want you to stop feeling that way. We're about to go on a really long break. Mm -hmm. I think a break even college kids who've been here for over four years have never seen before because it'll be closer to two, two and a half months yeah. than what we usually get. What should that dialogue look like for people at home who are already struggling here in College Station or even at home doing Zoom classes, but now go into this period where the lack of camaraderie, the lack of class is no longer there? I gotta create structure. If I'm home two and a half months, just sleeping is not structure. Um, sleeping Netflix in your phone is going to eventually make you feel bad, you know? So it's, you know, even if I can't physically be with somebody, can I set up, you know, organized chats? You know, can I, can, who can I see in my community? Um, how is it set up that I can do some things with people? Create some structure of you, you kind of said it too, of exercise. Um, how can I, how can I do this? And you're, you're wanting a balance, right? You don't want it so rigid that if something comes up, you can't do it. But you want to have some guidance to, to allow you to, to feel that way. So on the family front, and I was actually fearful to go to my parents and say, you know, hey, this is what I'm thinking. I'm going down this path um, because of the response. But radically after my attempt failed, mm -hmm. did I see the response for them being the complete opposite of what I thought? Now, I understand everyone's family situation is not perfect. What is your guidance then for people on the self-help front that say, I want to talk to my parents about this because I hate feeling this way and feeling alone, but I don't want that parent volatile reaction that I think is coming? Yeah, I think it is, you know, people know their parents, you know, and they know the history with their parents. So that's kind of what they're judging it from. But then they also create an image of their parents. And is that always accurate? One of the biggest things I hear from students is, oh, I don't want to disappoint my parents. So if I'm not doing well and I'm depressed and even have suicidal thoughts, this is now translated into I'm going to I'm going to disappoint them. And I, I challenge that right away. And I, I who said you're never supposed to disappoint your parents? I mean, that's part of being a kid. You cannot do everything your parents are going to envision for you because you're not them and that's okay 
your parents are adults, they can they can figure that piece out. Now, is every parent made to be supportive and accepting? Of course not. Um, so that's the piece where you, you do know. But I would make the argument is, how are you judging your parents? Are you judging them based on what you see or your fears? And if it's so much of your fears, then I would say invest in trying to find a connection. Yeah, I think starting with, you know, man, this semester was difficult. I mean, that's a door open right there. Um, now your parents can dismiss you and be like, oh, it wasn't that bad. And then, you, then you're like, okay, how much more do I want to keep trying to open this door? Or your parents, you know, may surprise you and say, yeah, what made it hard for you? I imagine with COVID, it was crazy hard. What, you know, what was, what was the most difficult for you? Now, changing gears a little bit, how much do you think direct impact of social media intake determines mental health? So I follow like, um, I don't know, funny animal clips. And I follow, you know, kind of different comedians. And so my social media page can be a very uplifting. Mm. I follow motivational quotes. I do this. Then that's a very different setup than if it's just politics, politics, politics. Um, and in social media, we create a world that just supports our point of view. Um, so I, I can just align with that, align with that. And, um, and so it's whatever lens I'm seeing the world and how I'm using social media. So you mentioned it earlier. I um, just want to hit on it. How important do you find community being, whether it's in College Station or at home, to have a group and a support system that even challenges you when you say you're doing fine to really dig into it a little bit more and have those people and even connect. And I think, you know, on top of that question, we go to a campus that's blessed enough to have, I, I couldn't even think of an organization that didn't exist. Right. Everything under the sun is probably at AM yep. in yep. some regard. Mm -hmm. And so, right, you know, we, we are beings that need to connect. Um, however, what connecting is for one person isn't the same for another person. Um, so some people enjoy a lot of connections and other people just have one or two. Um, and so, but it is that idea of feeling connected and who are your people um, that are going to confront you, that are going to stand up you know, to you and go, hey, you're, you don't seem like you're yourself. Um, so you want to have you know, that environment, which is always the challenge, right? When you're a freshman and you come here, you're, you're trying to find where you fit. And of course, COVID has made it even more complicated for people, um, but absolutely. So the importance of getting plugged in in your eyes is, is huge. Oh yeah, absolutely, okay. yes. I think being plugged in here as someone who is, it, like you said, phenomenal. I don't think I could look at where I'm at right now and where I came from in early June when I thought you know suicide was my only way out without the people I was around, without that community, um, without even this job I get to do with a and you know, there's a lot of things that you can get plugged into that are really helpful. Mm -hmm. What else is really helpful, like we've been talking about the majority of this time, is the self-help. Mm -hmm. So what does CAPS bring to the table in form of self-help that people can even, while they're at home, let's say things get bad, can plug into and understand and maybe get a little bit of perspective on? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, our website, because of COVID, 
We have put all our workshops online where you can watch them on video. Um, you can look at our self-help section. There's handouts, there's um, exercises, there's resources to other resources. Um, we have a whole other session called Mental Health and COVID. Um, we have a, another section in terms of racial trauma and mental health. We have different sections that people can look at and go, okay, you know, um, anxiety. Well, we have an anxiety toolbox that you can look in our workshops, open it up, and you can have a three-part series of a video, three different videos, with the accompanying uh, handouts that go with them that you participate in. Um, that's what I was talking about when I'm talking about self-help. How am I taking an initiative to engage in self-care? So the the self-help sounds like it's got to be something I'm always scanning for. Even yep, right. if I think I'm in a great spot, everything yep. is great, yep. we should always, is your suggestion to always have a radar up just to make sure if there are little blips or things that we're prepared and cautioned towards those type of thoughts or comments? Yeah, I think that idea of kind of checking yourself and knowing, you know, you've mentioned the spiraling or when I find myself getting really negative or I just feel like everything is kind of weighing on me, um, I, I deleted Twitter. I'm like, okay, this is not helping me. It's just making me more anxious. Um, it's, you know, doing things like, okay, I want to seek out kind of positivity. You know, what does that look like? You know, what, you know, I love the Mandalorian. I could watch the Mandalorian like 17 times a week. And, and I loved Schitt's Creek before that, you know, I have my, now we love the baking show, uh, the British baking show. So we have these shows that are kind of, they're not intense. They're not, you know, kind of, and they're escape, but a fun escape. And so you kind of start figuring out for your own balance, Hey, I need more balance. Um, and, and, and what does that look like? And not that my suggestions or everybody's suggestions, but you kind of start figuring out, hey, I, I'm in the mood for a comedy. Sure. And trust that. All the holiday movies are going to come out. And, oh, my God, all the heart, heart what is it, Hallmark, mm -hmm. rom-coms, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, I talk to some people here, they love them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's not, you know, that's not typically my thing. But, boy, I'll watch Elf and it, It's a Wonderful Life, you know, every year. Um, so it is kind of knowing that for yourself with the holidays coming up do you think it is a time where people can struggle a little bit more because they're supposed to put on a front of maybe everything is perfect sure. or yeah holidays can be very challenging for people who feel isolated mm -hmm. uh, because by definition you know some of these events are community events um, and when you don't have a community or you feel very disconnected it tends to feel worse mm -hmm. Now, going back a step, you were talking about exercises. How important have you found breathing exercises to be in the panic and the anxiety sector of the mind where you're, you're able to kind of just slow your breathing down to kind of calm down and reset? Absolutely. You're, there's many different apps um, that now, you know, I think there's even one called Let's Breathe. Um, but there's, you know, Calm, there's Sanvello, there's Headspace. There's all these different apps that will give you a less than three minute, you know, kind of breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth and slow you down and count. And um, all of that is what I say, it, it's grounding you. 
And when you're having a panic attack or anxiety or whatever stressor is occurring, you're not grounded, you're frantic. And so that breathing and that centeredness, meditation, prayer, anything that allows you to, to really become grounded is what you're looking for. Yeah. So, you know, as, as we wrap up, between a freshman getting plugged in and a senior who could be struggling to figure out what's next, what do you offer to the people who may hear this even before break as just helpful reminders of, hey, it's going to be okay? Yeah, I think that investment in yourself and to realize, you know, the term that's often used is resilient, um, that people often don't connect with how resilient they really are. Um, and to, to connect with that, you've been most likely in other situations that have been difficult. Yeah. What did you do to get through them? Kind of that owning piece, right? So again, it's not something that's out here. It's something within you that you can handle. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you would like to share or any type of information you'd like to give right before we finish up? I think, again, that main message of invest in your own self-care. Invest in taking care of yourself, not just, you know, kind of, oh, what did you say? Get a facial mm -hmm. or, you know, kind of wear sure. whatever that is, which is all, you know, I, I'm not dissing any of that, but it's, it's investing in my own mental health by, you know, keeping a journal or challenging myself, you know, one of the things we get into is a cycle of kind of lying to ourselves. Um, and then it just kind of keeps, again, as you kind of described that spiraling. How can, I, uh, how can I just be more connected to me and learn what does it mean to be comfortable in my own skin versus trying to please everybody else? Well, this has been so helpful. Thank you so oh, much. this is and great. I'm, I hope, you know, anybody who listens to this gets to take something away and really understand and evaluate how important their mental health is. As someone who, you know, was looked at to be the strongest of the group for a long time, you know, when I was brought to my knees, it's it's a different ball game when it's your own mind trying to take you out and trying to figure out your way through that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'm certainly glad you're here and glad that you sought me out. And this was a great conversation. Yes, ma'am. So thank thank you. you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. If you need any of the resources, you can go to caps.tmu.edu and look at their self-help resource section um, and reach out to any of the people in the contact information as well as go over the web seminars or any of the self-help tabs. We hope this is a great tool for you and that your break goes well. The contributors of this week's episode of The Bat Signal are Valen Cpac and Dr. Marianne Covey. Edited and produced by Annie Wells, with graphics by Gabrielle Shreve. And thanks again to Uptown Cheapskate for sponsoring this episode.